This is the time that we all been waiting on The moment all the naysayers been hating on See, they been talking down on us and flexing It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up But not the boys on Kirby so you can pack it up Reliant Stadium is where you can find us With the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears But now we're focused and we're showing no fear When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer Deep steel, blue, rowdy red, all the liberty white We came dressed up and ready to fight We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play So now I guess it's only one thing to say, baby Alright guys, welcome back to Texans Unfiltered. I am Young Larry Gold, and we are finishing off our AFC South deep dive with the Colts today. We have Zach Hitz, Hicks from the Colt 45 podcast, and a writer on Stampede Blues. Uh, Zach, introduce yourself. Uh, tell them where they can find you on Twitter um, and all that good stuff. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on today. And uh, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hicks too. A lot of Colt stuff, but you know, I div- I dive in a little bit on the film. It's a lot of film on there. Uh, so I'm sure you'll see some Texan stuff on there. Maybe not me congratulating the Texans or being high on the Texans, but you'll definitely see a lot of film. I'll talk a lot about this division. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. But follow me on Twitter at Zach Hicks, too. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, and uh, we're, I'm really excited to talk to you. And We were talking before the before we hit the record button, and Zach's a uh, very uh, funny guy like me. So I think this is going to be a very entertaining podcast. Uh, we are unfiltered. So there's anything that can be said, uh, just make sure you know what your contract obligations of what you can and cannot say so you are not sued later on uh, in the weekend. So, uh, Zach, I want to start with a, a fun game that I should have done with the Jags and, and Titans, but they're not relevant, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, on the count of three, I want you to say the best quarterback in the AFC South. Ready? All right. One, two, three. Andrew, Andrew Luck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I just pissed off like every single <laughs> listener we have. Look, um, Deshaun's Deshaun is a great young quarterback. Like great young quarterback. Like nobody's talking crap about him here. Uh, I definitely have my areas where I think he could be a little bit better. But you know, a- Andrew Luck's on a different tier. Like Andrew Luck's great. Like last year, coming off a major shoulder injury, thirty-nine touchdowns with the receiving group that he had. Uh, yeah, he's just a different level. Uh, Deshaun Watson's great. Don't get me wrong. Very talented young quarterback, but I mean, I, I think it's fairly obvious, at least in my eyes. I don't know if it is in yours. No, no. So in my eyes, it's extremely obvious. And when, when you take into consideration not just the talent, but when you take into consideration what he's surrounded with weapon-wise, um, I mean, outside of T.Y. And then last year, I guess he had Ebron, which, you know, sure, it turned out to be that he's a potentially could be a good tight end for you guys and wasn't in Detroit. Um, but outside of that, like Pascal, like, I mean – the wide receivers really aren't there. And I, if those wide receivers were on any other team, they, that quarterback would have struggled. Andrew Luck is a generational talent. I think you can, I, I don't think you need to make an argument. I'd say he's top three in the league, to be honest with you. I'd, I'd go Brady, Rogers, Luck. No Mahomes in the top three? Not yet. I, I, I'm so not, I, I just won't do that yet. Yeah. I, I don't think it's fair to him. All this stuff that's going on with Mahomes right now, um, yeah, he was amazing last year, like truly mind blowing. But at the end of the day, like we all know how this league works. And unless there's until there's film, um, you know, the league just isn't ready. And once defenses know what his strengths and weaknesses are, that's when things start to change. And then, you know, who knows what happens with the Tyree kill situation that definitely is going to impact him. Um, but yeah, Mahomes is a very, very young quarterback. That's very good. 
Um, but I, I wouldn't put him in top three, no. No, there's no way. Yeah, I mean, that that's fair completely. I mean, I, last year was was amazing, but like you said, you'll see star young quarterbacks regress all the time. Even look at Deshaun Watson, you know, those first six games look like the greatest six-game stretch of all time. Technically, yeah. ACL comes back, and, you know, he's still very good last year, but it's not even near that level. Uh, you know, there's more poor games in there. There's more struggles. That's just how it goes with a young quarterback, even a guy at Mahomes' level, so... Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I might put him in that top three just because that last year was so, so outstanding, and he also has such a great offensive mind with him and Andy Reid. But yeah, no, I, I completely understand your and point. great weapons. He has yeah. great weapons all all around him. Um, but like, I, I feel like he'll take a step back uh, just because it's inevitable for him not to. There's no, there's no way he plays at that level for the next 15 years. It's just not possible. Imagine, imagine now, him taking a step forward. Like, <laughs> imagine him getting like 70 touchdowns a year. Like, that'd be insane. There's no way he takes a step forward. Like, it's either stay near that level or regress. There's no step forward from what he did last year. If there is, then we've never seen it. Yeah. And we'll all just be astonished. Like, I put Mahomes in a category of, like, I, I don't think he'll have, like, a huge fallback because you're right, he has Andy Reid. And that's going to – I mean, we've seen what he does with awful quarterbacks that don't have the talent Mahomes has. With the talent that Mahomes has, he's going to be able to continue to build on that. Um, but I think he'll take a somewhat of a step back, like maybe, like, 4,800 yards and, all you know, all the TDs, but he's going to throw some more picks. Yeah. So that no-lick shit is not going to continue for the rest of the season. Like, it's just – no look passes in the NFL. Just that, like I know they're great highlight films, like things, and they make top ten every Sunday. But but that's I think it's pure luck. But that's also because we've never seen that either. So maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't know. Well, you know, speaking of the AFC South, you know, we we got Big Dick Nick over in uh, Ooh, Jacksonville. You know, man, Big Big Dick Nick is here, and he, <laughs> I hope he has his blue chew because, uh, you know, Jags fans think that they have Joe Montana. <laughs> well, okay, Jacksonville fans shouldn't be taken seriously, but I mean, Ever. what I was going to say is, you know, they got big dick Nick here in this division, but when you watch Mahomes film, he's the one who should have that big dick <laughs> name because there, there's, there's plays where he is rolling to his left, throws it across his body to the other side of the field. It goes between like four defenders and falls into a guy's arms. Like that, that's, and it's 45 yards downfield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The talent is so insane with him. It, it right. doesn't make sense. But yeah. there's going to be more interceptions. Off. Like there, There's no way you can keep the interception total that low when he's consistently making plays. Like, like it, It's not like every now and then he would throw a pass like that. Like It was a lot of passes. Where he was throwing two or three into, times a game, it would seem. Yeah, throwing a triple coverage. I mean, even his highlight play against the Ravens last year where he rolled out, threw it across his body when he had to, don't get me wrong, and it just lands right in Tyreek Hill's hands past one of the best defenses in the league. It was just a special season. All that stuff goes right for you in a special season. I mean, yeah. uh, Patriots fans have seen it with Brady when he broke records. Uh, Colts fans have seen it with Peyton Manning when he was breaking records. Just everything kind of goes the right way, and Mahomes just had that last year. So I, I yeah. do think that regression is definitely happening. I think Baker will take a, ma- a major step back. Yeah. I mean, the film is out there on him. Uh, and that those are the types of quarterbacks, and when the film is actually out there, that's when you really start to see the decline. Because his game is 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 basically a Saturday Night Live skit. It's all, it's all like, what's the name of? Why can't I think of the word? Um, where they just make up like they're acting. God, I can't think improv? of the word. Improv. Yeah, they, yeah, it's all improv. I mean, most of that offense is improv, and I get that he has Beckham, but um, I mean, can you count on Beckham for sixteen games a year? We haven't seen it yet, so I don't expect to see it next year. Um, 
I do like that tight end though. But anyways, we're not talking about uh, the Browns. But we're gonna just talk. We're gonna go quarterback. Let's just talk football for the next like four hours. Let's just take out. Yeah, Big Dick Nick, Blue Chew. <laughs> um, Greatest uh, nickname in sports, Big Dick Nick. That's all we need to talk about is just, <laughs> just that. Um, so I had uh, – I guess we'll talk about this first then. With, with, I had the Jags on. Um, I told you we did our Jags and Titans already. And, uh, you know, a very good podcast guy. I mean, he knows his stuff. But they are truly excited about uh, Nick Foles. They, they really think that there's a chance that um, – he's going to be what he was in Philadelphia, even though we saw when he originally left Philadelphia that that was not the case. But it's going to be different this time. I mean, look at his stretch in the playoffs before the Super Bowl, and it really wasn't that great. I mean, he had the the Minnesota game where they killed Minnesota, and then he yep. had that legendary Super Bowl performance. But, I, you know, that stretch of the end of the regular season and the beginning of the playoffs were terrible. Like, not even – not starter level. No, I know. Like, he has looked like a, an NFL starter mm-hmm. maybe 10 games of his NFL career. Yep. And I, don't get me wrong. I love the guy. He's going to be a legend in Philadelphia for the rest Ever. of his life. And he completely deserves it. And I think he's a great dude and everything. But looking at – just looking at him compared to guys like Watson or Andrew Luck, you know, he's easily – the third or fourth best quarterback in this division. And even if Mariota has better record, I was just about to say. Yeah, yeah and if, if Mariota's healthy, you could probably make the argument he's the fourth best quarterback yeah. in the in, in the in the division. Yeah, Mariota has better weapons. Mm-hmm. Mariota has a better team and better weapons, a better coach to to lead to success, where I don't see that with Foles. Like Foles, their offensive line is in shambles every single year. Cam Who's Robinson. Who are you gonna throw to? Yeah, Cam Robinson's the only viable offensive lineman they got there. And then on the outside, they got what? Keelan Cole, Marquis Westbrook. Dede West- I mean, again, very average, but they're all wide receiver threes, wide receiver fours, uh, tight end. They don't, I don't even think they have a tight end. I think they drafted Josh Oliver yep. in the second or third round. And then Leonard Fournette has, you know, he's averaged three yards a carry his career. Like, and he's played like nine games each season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Personally, I just don't see it. And then, you know, their defense is going to regress with, their older veterans are getting old. You know, guys like Calais Campbell, they're, they're getting up there in age. Yep. And then you're losing Telvin Smith. Who's, who people don't seem to realize how much he means to that defense. Yeah, I don't know. I, I see them – I can see them maybe being third in the division. I, <laughs> I don't, yeah, it all comes down to if Mariota's healthy, to be honest. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. This division can go anyway. Football is so unpredictable. Like, who would have guessed a couple years ago they would have been – a play away from the Super Bowl. I, I didn't expect, you know, I didn't expect them to be that good. So it definitely could happen. And they did it with a worse quarterback, a much worse quarterback. You know, yeah. however bad Foles could be this year, he's not Blake Bortles bad. So, so it, they did upgrade. Yeah, so they did upgrade. Like, yeah, it's just the division's tough now. You know, you don't have easy walkover games with an injured Deshaun Watson Texans team or Andrew Luck out for an entire year Colts team or Marcus Mariota doing his thing in Tennessee. You don't have... Well, you had the Titans still with Marcus Mariota, but you know the rest of the division is stronger. Yeah. I just I don't see them really competing much for the championship in this division. I think they could, you know, win a couple games here in the division, but I, yeah, I don't I don't see it. I, I get the excitement because it's not Blake Bortles, but I feel like they could have signed anybody, and it would have been sorry about that. No, you're uh, right. They, what, they could have signed anybody, and it would have been the same thing. Yeah, what I don't understand is why Josh Rosen wasn't in in play at. at for that team. Not not that I think Rosen is like this all-time quarterback, but he's a young guy that was just drafted a year prior. 
you, you could have saved the cap and give it a pick and, and potentially had your franchise guy had things worked out. But now you're signing a 34-year-old quarterback that's not going to be – I mean, he's not going to play out that entire contract. It's just yeah. not going to happen. And it just – I don't know. The Jags always seem to, to confuse me. But back to the AFC South. I think the AFC South is always great, though, when the Texans and Colts are always going to head-to-head. Uh, whether, it, whether it be, you know, a, a while back – you know, with with Peyton and Schaub, uh, not that Schaub is on Peyton's level because the, the the quarterback duel between. But them yes, no, yeah, I looked forward to it every time. I couldn't wait to see Matt Schaub throw to the tight ends four down, four yards down the field. It was super exciting. No, who's the quarterback uh, for y'all who who tried to? I think he tried to run on fourth down and got like helicoptered. Sage the- Rosenfels, <laughs> the the Rosacopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah those matches was- were always great between Peyton Manning and. okay look zach you got to give us a little credit okay like we did win some divisions like it was a fun time when the texans and colts were battling it out for the top of the afc south once Um, y'all got jj watt it became very fun yeah no jj jj definitely changed the game for us yeah hey guys young ari gold here are you trying to please that special tight end Are you on the goal line and trying to punch it in, but you just can't do it like you used to? Well, no worries. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue, chew.com. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for, deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our pro- special promo code, TEXANS. That's right. Visit BlueChew.com and use special co- promo code, TEXANS, for your first shipment free. Just pay the $5 shipping. Blue Chew is a better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Texans Unfiltered. So let's go through the offseason for the Colts. Um, You know, all that money in cap space, you know, it's kind of like everybody expected that Le'Veon Bell and all the big-name free agents were going to be a Colt. But yet none of them seem to understand what Chris Ballard's philosophy has been since he's been there. That's not something he does. And so let's go through the offseason and let's start with free agency. I mean, out of the additions that you guys made, where do you see the impact? I mean, I know signing uh, Pierre Desir. Is that how you say it? Desir. Pierre Desir. Desir. Yeah. I mean, I know resigning him is probably one of the more exciting things for Colts fans. Um, He had a really good season last year. But, I mean, talk to me about free agency and kind of what your thoughts are on what they did. Yeah. So first off, going into free agency with all that cap space, I think a lot of Colts fans, Colts writers, people connected with the team, a lot of us really weren't expecting him to do that much. Like maybe a little bit more than what he ended up doing. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we saw it the year before, we saw it this year. Ballard doesn't like to spend in free agency. He kind of takes that very, like, very reserved approach, uh, the approach that the Patriots have kind of taken, where the Patriots will take a shot every now and then. But for the most part, they won't make many big signings. Where Ballard's kind of the same thing. If he sees an opportunity, to make a big signing, he will, but he's not going to overpay for a guy. He's not going to get his team in cap trouble down the road just to sign a big name free agent. And I actually kind of respect that, you know, like obviously I would have 
like them to maybe up the money for like a Preston Smith type of guy or or maybe even a Le'Veon Bell, even though I, I wasn't huge on going after Bell because I like kind of what Marlon Mack brings. But, you know, it, maybe a one-year deal for Bell would have been great for him, like even though he probably would have signed it. But anyway, getting back on track, just making that splash signing probably would have helped the team now. But he's looking to the future. You know, he's got a lot of rollover cap. I think they're going to have over $100 million again next year. But what's going to be different this next year is they got to sign Ryan Kelly. they got to sign Anthony Costanzo. They, got, they just signed Kenny Moore to the highest slot corner contract in the NFL. They have to sign all these guys to help them get to the playoffs last year. Uh, you know, Eric Ebron is, is up for a contract next year. Jack Doyle, a fan favorite for a long time. He has another great year. So they have to sign all these guys. And having that money to bring those guys back, I think that's going to be big for them. But then going to the moves they did make, you know, Devin Funches was a former first-round pick. Yep. Much, like, much like Eric Ebron, had the same problems, had the drop mm-hmm. issues, kind of had flashes of potential but never really put it all together. Uh, but when I watch this film and I put out a film room for him on Stampede Blue, you see an out, like an elite run, route runner. Uh, for a guy his size, the way that he runs routes and he can break down uh, corners at the top of his route, I think it's outstanding. Now, obviously, there's there's areas where he can improve with his hands and stuff like that. But the Colts really needed that. They needed someone who could separate and run great routes. And I think Funches was a great addition from that standpoint. And then the biggest addition they made was obviously Justin Houston, kind of late in the process. Yep. You know, adding a guy who had 10 sacks in 10 games last year, a guy who crushed them in the playoffs when they played against the Chiefs, I think he had two sacks against them in that game. Uh, adding that kind of veteran, a guy who, you know, if he doesn't go through these injuries these last few years, might be a Hall of Fame candidate uh, by the end of his career. He was that dominant. You know, he had a 22-sack season a couple years ago. Uh, just an outstanding football player. So what they're going to get with him as a leader, uh, added to their pass rush as well, in a division that really doesn't have that many great offensive tackles, I, I think adding Justin Houston was a great signing for them. So, you know, they didn't get the Le'Veon Bell, the Tyrell Williams, the the Preston Smith, these really flashy guys who got almost $20 million a year. Uh, but they added Justin Houston at a really good price. They have Devin Funches for a one-year deal. And they brought back their guys. You know, they have a whole offensive line coming back that was uh, first in the NFL in sacks allowed. I think that's huge, getting Glowinski back and then getting Desir back, who, you know, you guys saw last year, hit some really good games against DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I think... Overall, it was a really good, uh, successful offseason for the Colts. Yeah. Let's go to Funchess real quick because um, one of the things about Funchess that I found very interesting was the fact that when you think about Cam Newton as a quarterback, um, and Zach just died on air, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, when, uh, when you look at Cam, exciting quarterback for sure. Um, definitely somebody that you have fun watching. But when you watch him throw the ball – he doesn't throw the most catchable balls. Um, and that's one of the things that I've started to notice when I watch Cam. And one of my be- one of my best friends is a very, very big Carolina Panthers fan. And you can't say anything bad about Cam Newton to a Panthers fan. It's just not never. possible. You can never, never say it, ever. Um, and I, I was challenging him on it and was showing him. And, and a lot of the balls that they throw, that he throws to the wide receivers and tight ends outside of Greg Olson, um, they're very, they're not catchable balls. Uh, they're not at the top of the route. Uh, they're not in open space. They're not away from the cornerback. And I think a lot of that's going to play into the part of when you guys have, now that you guys have punches on the outside, Andrew Luck throws a great ball. Um, he's very good at ball placement. And it's going to be interesting to see what punches turns into, because you're right. He, I mean, he was a former first round pick and he had at moments in Carolina showed the potential of being a number one wide receiver. So when you add him to T.Y. Hilton, who's pretty much been the only offense you guys have, I mean, plus at least against us specifically too. Um, uh, when and then you add Ebron and then you add Punches, 
the team is starting to look like there's some weapons there if Funchess hits. Yeah, I think the funniest thing I ever saw. Um, have you you've seen Dumb and Dumber, right? I feel like oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. The funniest thing I ever saw was when the Panthers took McCaffrey in that, with that top ten pick, and somebody posted a GIF of Cam Newton throwing the ball to McCaffrey out of the backfield, and it was during the snowball scene fight, and <laughs> where he just drills her in the face. <laughs> like, that's Cam Newton, though. Yeah, that's Cam Newton. I mean, that, laser perfect. arm, like yeah. uh, not not away from the corner, just wherever he can put it, type of thing. Um, so yeah, not the touch. The touch is not always there. And, you know, Panthers fans, I, I understand them going to bat for him. He's the greatest quarterback in the history of their franchise. Yep. He probably will be for quite some time. You know, he got them to the Super Bowl. So I understand them going to bat for him. But going from a guy who throws like Cam Newton to a guy who throws like Andrew Luck is a huge difference. There's a huge difference in accuracy and touch and placement. Uh, so I think Funch is going to have the best year of his career this year. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, all right, let's let's hop into the draft because this is where this is where I started to pay a little bit more attention to kind of what was going on. Um, let's start with your thoughts on Rocky Asin. So coming out of college, I wasn't a huge fan of Rocky Asin. Uh, I, I just didn't see how he really won as a corner. You know, I didn't see a great athlete. I didn't really see great feet in man coverage, even though that's kind of what his trademark was. He didn't really play much zone at Temple. Uh, but from talking to people and kind of going back and looking at his film, you do see a guy who's very physical, a guy who's a willing run defender, and a guy who is just very coachable and, and from all accounts sounds like a great, you know, young dude. And I think that really fits their team. You know, he's not going to be asked to be their number one corner. He's not going to be their number two, maybe not even their number three corner. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to be throwing him out there right away. You get to develop him a little bit. And then he brings everything that they like in their kind of zone scheme from the tackling ability uh, from the ball skills, he gets up there and really competes at the catch point. Uh, so I think when you kind of have all that upside there, as well as the coachability that uh, his former coaches really talked about with him, I, I think it's a great pick for them. It might have been a little bit high for where some people had him and even where I would have taken him there. But overall, he just really fits the team and fits the culture. And that's kind of what Ballard has always preached, you know. Uh, it's not just talent over everything. As long as he fits the locker room, fits the culture, and, and fits how the team is constructed, they're going to want to take that guy and I think Rocky Sin really fits all that yeah that mini series that the Colts put out with Ballard through the draft was um it was just great like I hate to give you guys compliments because you guys are supposed to be like the team that we hate the most um but unfortunately you guys are doing everything right right now and that that mini series is great it was really nice like for like the dedicated fan to be able to see what that process looks like and what I mean that's I think that's the first time I've seen it in depth in the manner that they did it um it was really good so and then the guy that scares me the most that you guys drafted, and I don't know if this will shock you or not, is Paris Campbell. Really? Um, speedy guy. Uh, I mean, a, literally a burner. Yeah. And when you add that to the fact, like if if this is just how I'm imagining the offense, if you have Punchess on the outside, Ebron at tight end, and if TY's in the slot and you have Campbell on the outside, I'm just trying to think of like, a defense that's going to be able to even come close to containing something like that. Uh, because like you have a, you have a, you have a wide receiver and punches that can go up and catch the ball. And, and that's in like, even if he's locked down, he can still make those catches. You have T Y in the slot who can take it wherever he wants. If he catches it, Ebron has shown that he fixed the hands and he's actually looking like a decent route runner now. Mm -hmm. And then you have Paris Campbell that can just burn right off the line and actually get separation. 
Um, it's just, it's scary to me. I, 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 I don't know where I read the article, but they said that he was the T.Y. Hilton replacement. I laughed at that because I don't <laughs> think people realize how good T.Y. Hilton actually is. Nobody um, does. Nobody, nobody does. except for Texans fans and Colts fans understand how good T.Y. Hilton is. T.Y. Hilton is, uh, he, he, if he only played against the Texans, he would be a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Oh, he'd be the greatest receiver of all time. Uh, I mean, uh, I think he averages like... At the at Texan Stadium, I think he averaged like 130 yards a game or something. Look, Zach, I didn't ask you that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got you. Got to have Jonathan Joseph come on the show and talk. About oh, J. Joe, poor J. Joe. I don't know why he even instigated that. To be honest with you, I mean, he's 35. Like oh. he's not the same corner. I love me some J. Joe. I think he was. He's. He's. I mean, he's. Did you know? Fun fact about J. Joe. Did you know that he's four pass defenses away from being all time on pass defenses in NFL history? Really? Yeah. Uh, well, when did they start taking that stat? Was it in like the eighties or nineties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like during night I'm train trying, or anything. I'm like not that. trying to downplay it. I'm just no, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I had no idea. Yeah. I, I, I had no idea until I saw Pro Football Focus put, put that. I was like, well, wow. how many how many corners really last as long as he did? You know, like and that's Reeves another fell thing. apart at like thirty, right? You know, like all these guys fall apart. All these corners kind of go downhill at like thirty, thirty-one, and he. The thing with him. And this is not the downplay of it all. He was never like an extremely dominant corner. No. So you never really avoided him. So you kind of have more opportunities for those pass deflections. Yep. Yep. And then like, and then most of the time those corners at 30, 31 will transition to a safety or whatever and try to extend their career. JJ Joe's been playing corner still to this day and he'll probably play another year after this year. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting fact that most people didn't know, but uh, back to T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that, the NFL fan in general knows how good T.Y. Hilton is that not just at what, like he's fast. Yes, he's fast. He's been fast for a very long time, but he's a great route runner. He's great at getting separation and he's tiny and he's still able to do those things. Yeah. The way that I always put it whenever I talk about T.Y. is, you know, you're not going to get an all around receiver. You're not going to get a complete receiver with him, but what you're going to do, what you're going to have is a guy who has really maximized what he has. You know, he's a small receiver, He's not going to win those contested catches. He's not even going to win after the catch, really, unless he has like some open room in front of him. What you're going to get, though, is a guy who has become an elite route runner, who has become an elite deep threat, who can track the ball like better than almost anybody else in the league over his shoulder, uh, who can get his feet in bounds on these impossible sideline catches. He really has maximized what he has. You know, he's he's not going to turn himself into Mike Evans overnight, but he just maximized what he what he has and as a result he's the top tier receiver in this league and and every single year it seems like everyone's like oh let me look at the top 10 guys in yardage and even though T.Y. Hilton's missed a game or two he's in that top five top 10 every single year and his passer rating when targeted is like over 100 every single year he's a really good receiver and I I implore anyone who doesn't think he's a top 10 receiver to go back and watch some games last year especially against the Texans because then you'll really see how good he is but Definitely watched some of his games last year. Even even the last month of last season, you know, uh, he, he didn't practice from December to the playoffs. He didn't have one practice logged because he was just battling injuries the entire last part of last year. And I think he still had over 500 yards in six games and like four touchdowns. Towards I had the end no of idea he didn't practice. Yeah, didn't practice one time in December. And for the two playoff games, he didn't practice that week, the weeks up either. He just fought through it and... And I think against y'all in the playoffs, he had over 80 yards. And I think against the Chiefs, he had over 70 yards uh, with barely being able to walk on his leg after the games. He, he's just he, Last year was one of the most impressive seasons I've seen from a player uh, just because you could see him after the games, he could barely walk. And he was still just burning players left and right. Uh, so T.Y. Hilton just 
literally an outstanding player. Definitely watch this stuff. And what scares me more about T.Y. is the fact that he's primarily played outside. Um, he'll play in the slot when he needs to, but as he gets older, he'll be able to do what he does on the outside in the middle and mm-hmm. and and still be extremely valuable as a wide receiver. Um, so we'll likely still be seeing him for the next three to four years. Yeah, I mean, it depends if the Colts sign him, but from what Ballard has kind of implied with everything, he likes to keep his own guys, especially the star players like T.Y. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see him ever letting T.Y. Hilton walk. I think Hilton's going to be a Colts uh, for lifer player. But he's nowhere near as good as DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't go that far either. Like, Hopkins is great. Hopkins is great. He's better than T.Y. Hilton, for yeah, sure. There we go. I um, just had to throw something in there so they didn't like, yeah. think this was a Colts podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tune into the Colt 45. <laughs> no, I mean, but DeAndre Hopkins, would you say he's the best wide receiver in the league? Because I think up to this, up until last season, I think there was a conversation that could be had um, where you could say Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham. I think DeAndre this last year just put kind of all of that to rest, to be honest with you. I, I really don't think that you can have a conversation and say that he's not the best. And I think if you ask 32 teams, if they were to build – their team around one wide receiver that's active in the NFL, I guarantee you 32 of those teams would have said DeAndre Hopkins. The one thing I will say is since I'm here representing the Colts, I have to say DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in football unless Pierre Desir is covering him. Then he's not in the top <laughs> tier. But that, that's just what all Colts fans say. I know Hopkins was injured throughout those two matchups. Yeah. And it was, I mean, you could see it watching the film. Hopkins in the playoffs, was, he was extremely banged up. Like He even yeah. came out and said, like, I've never been hurt like that ever. Yeah, no, he wasn't right. You can even see it in the first, in the not the yeah. first matchup, the second matchup where yeah. Desir was on him for most of the game. Uh, he wasn't right in that game either. But the playoffs, he really wasn't right. Like he could, he couldn't really get off the line at all. Uh, but yeah, no, Hopkins last year definitely kind of put the whole conversation to rest. I think you could argue other guys up there with him. Like you could argue Julio still. You could still argue Antonio Brown. But yeah, Hopkins has been outstanding for for years now. And I, I think it, you'd be really hard-pressed to convince me that he's not the best receiver in the NFL. And it'd be hard to argue for Antonio Brown, given where he's at now. Like, I think if he was with the Steelers, you could definitely still have that conversation because Ben is that t- kind of quarterback. But you don't know what it's going to look like with David or Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, Carr's very hot or cold as right. a player. And even when he's hot, he doesn't really have the arm that – Rosberger has yeah when you know, he's, he's hot he's nowhere near as hot as Ben Roethlisberger on an average day yeah speaking of hot and cold Rosberger is the ultimate hot and cold quarterback but Rosberger is a veteran enough where when he's cold he just gets that mindset where I'm going to throw it to Antonio Brown every single play yeah where will Carr do that probably not he'll when he's cold he'll just dump it down to running backs and do what kind of like the average quarterback does uh so yeah I mean his production can definitely drop this year where Hopkins there's no reason at all, especially if a guy like Kiki Cootie is healthy all season. I don't see Hopkins' production really dropping. I kind of see maybe the yards per catch even going up. Well, and then if you add Will Fuller back as well. Yeah, Will Fuller too. Yeah, exactly. If those guys are all healthy, then Hopkins could even get better, where I see I can definitely see Brown's production going down. Hmm. Uh, all right, so let's, uh, as we're oozing over our wide receivers, let's get back into the draft here. Um out of all, like out of Ben Bonogu, Bobby Okuri, Okuriki, uh Carl Willis, Marbletel, EJ Speed, Jerry Green, I mean, who were you most excited about out of the draft? Well, I think every one of us were most excited about Paris Campbell, uh, just because, again, what he's going to bring on offense. And it's always more exciting seeing the, the receiver. For me personally, I was most excited for Kari Willis 
mainly for a couple reasons. One was uh, when I did my interview series this year for Stampede Blue, he was one of the guys I got to talk to, and he, he's really awesome, dude. Like the He did this Big Ten luncheon speech uh, last year for, for Michigan State in front of all the Big Ten coaches and everybody, and that was like imploring everybody to reach out in the community and, and give back to your community and really uh, you know help the less fortunate kids in the area. And it got like a standing ovation and everything. It was a really great speech. And then he was like a three-time team captain. Like he just fits everything that you want from a culture player. And then he kind of fits that strong safety mold too that the Colts really need, that kind of box guy who can cover tight ends. And I was really impressed by his football intellect when I was talking to him too. I had a good senior bowl as well. Uh, so I was really excited about that pick. And I'm a big safety guy too. I really like the safety position. So just kind of everything about him. I, I think I'm probably the only one who was the most excited about him. Uh, because, I, you know, I, I get the Ben Bonagoo hype. But, you know, everyone loves pass rusher. And from everything I've heard, I've talked to four people close to Ben Bonagoo. And everyone I've talked to, they've been like, they got the hardest worker in maybe history. You know, his trainer told me on the Colt 45 podcast last week, I talked to his trainer. And his trainer told me, like, I've never seen a more devoted and hardworking individual than Ben Bonagoo. And this is a guy who, I don't know if you follow uh, – the RAS system or, or spider charts or whatever, you know, the, the yeah. combine stuff. Yeah. He's one of the highest graded athletes in this past draft, you know, and all that stuff. So when you combine that athleticism with, uh, with the hard work, I think he's going to be really good too. But yeah, no, Kari Willis is my favorite just because, you know, I already kind of knew him and I knew his agent really well. I was really excited for that. And I, I just love who he is as a person and, and his field play is really good too. Uh, so I'm really excited for that fourth round pick. Um, I mean, you said Ben Montague is a extremely hard worker, but does he flip tires while listening to Fort Minor? <laughs> who doesn't, man? I mean, that's just an average Tuesday for me. I'll tell you who doesn't. J.J. Uh, Watt does, and he does it every day. So All of us do. I mean, maybe not Fort Minor. I kind of switch it up, you know. But... He's a big Fort Minor guy. He's only got 10% luck and 20% skill. So Isn't Fort Meyer like the Lincoln Park rapper? Yeah, Mike Shinoda, yeah, the, the other guy opposite of Chester Bennington. It was actually a really good album. Um, that song just was JJ just made that song awful. But um, yeah. so since we were talking about um, the safety, <clears throat> let's let's kind of take that from there. So I mean, obviously with him, and then you talk about the first round pick a year ago and Malik Hooker, who a lot of people were saying is a generational talent at safety that draft. Uh, some people said that he was the best safety in the draft since Ed Reed. <clears throat> that's a bit of a stretch. So yeah. I, I, I don't want to say that, but uh, that's, but that's the claim that he had coming into the draft. Um, what are your thoughts on Malik Hooker with him coming back? Um, this defense is starting to form, which is I think probably one of the more scary parts of this team. Cause you, you know, you have Andrew Luck and you know, you have the weapons that we've already discussed, but They've always they've been missing defensive pieces, and now you add Houston. You had Darius Leonard, who really probably should have been defensive rookie of the year, and you have Desir. And now it's like you have Malik Hooker coming back. It's all kind of starting to form, in my opinion. Yeah. And yeah. what are your thoughts on the defense? But then let, I guess let's start with Malik Hooker. Yeah. So before we start all that, though, Darius Leonard was rookie. The defense oh, no, I'm sorry. Rookie. Yes, that's right. He absolutely deserved it. Derwin James is great. Derwin James, that's right. Darius Leonard is our defensive rookie of the year. I have to, again, I'm representing the Colts here. I have to say, no, all this I stuff. get it. I, I, I was so <laughs> for some reason I was thinking Derwin James won, and I don't know why. Probably because I've watched more film on him than I did Darius Leonard because I think yeah. Derwin, Derwin James is a hell of a player. 
Um, and I think he also did the uh, the Game Pass film. No, he that did. was yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. I think no, he did. there was Jamal Adams. Maybe I don't know. I love safety play too, so that's kind of um, where where I go. But yeah, let's let's talk about Malik Hooker. Yeah, so Malik Hooker is not really getting the kind of publicity or the love across the league as you would expect. You know, when you watched his film in college, you you did see a really good safety, like a damn good safety prospect. He could like super rangy, probably the most rangy safety in the last few years. Like probably we haven't seen a safety as rangy as him since that draft class. I think it's pretty safe to say that his ball skills were great coming out. Uh, just an elite athlete all around. And there was a lot of excitement for him. And the rookie year wasn't great because there were some injuries involved. Uh, I think he tore his ACL halfway through the year against the Seahawks uh, after an interception. And then he came back this next year, this past year. And, you know, he just wasn't making that, you know, statistical impact that everybody expected. You know, he wasn't putting up five, six interceptions. And I think the main reason was the Colts run a very heavy cover two scheme. Uh, A lot of Tampa two this past year and a lot of zone. And if you want to avoid the best defensive back on the team, just don't throw it his way. Yep. And I think we saw that there there was, I remember there was this one game where a Colts writer tweeted out that Malik Hooker played 70 snaps or whatever it was and didn't record one stat, like no stat. No assisted tackles, no tackles, no no missed tackles. Like no That's stat. crazy. Yeah, no stat whatsoever. Teams were completely avoiding him. And I still think he finished the year with one or two picks. I uh, still had a couple picks. Uh, but I think this next year is really going to be his breakout. And the main reason is I think that the Colts are going to be a little bit more diverse with their scheme. Last year they were really testing out their players. You know, a lot of people were saying going into last year, you know, every corner on the Colts roster wouldn't make any other roster. Because last year Kenny Moore appeared to see her. Uh, Nate Hairston, this just didn't look like a good cornerback group at all. But all those guys really proved last year that they're good players. And I think now that you have these guys are kind of proven, they're very confident. And now you have a guy like Rocky Sin coming in, Quincy Wilson's playing a lot more confident. They can be a little bit more diverse. They can, you know, throw in some more press man. They can throw in some different coverage schemes, more blitz packages. And I think Malik Hooker is really going to benefit from that because instead of just saying, okay, Hooker's on the left side, we're going to throw it to the right or we're going to dump it down. Now you're going to have more stuff coming your way where, you know, Lee Cooker could shade to the middle. He could come up to, into the box even. He could be all over the field for you the way that he was kind of destined to be when he came out of college. And I think as a result, you're going to see those statistical numbers come up. So last year, you know, when you look at the raw numbers, I don't really think it's very indicative of his play. I think he played at a very good level last year. But I think this next year, you're really going to see him take that next step. Because uh, also, this is his first healthy offseason since coming to the Colts. It's the first time he's going to be healthy. And, uh, yeah, I, j- I just think, you know, another year in this defense, more diversity and a healthy offseason, he's going to be a really good safety next year. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Uh, I, I loved Malik Hooker coming out of college, and I, I definitely think he – I mean, he fit the need when you guys took him. And now, like I said, the way the defense is shaping out to be, the pieces are all starting to get there. And it's not what you want to see when you're a Texans fan. Um, it's just not, I mean, it, you, you don't want to see that, but like I said earlier, when the Colts and Texans are really good and they're having those, those, um, those fights, uh, you know, twice a year and they're working in their battles, those, that's what you want. That's what you look for it. And especially with an AFC, I mean, the, it's really the only rivalry in the AFC South. I think like the only actual rivalry you can say exists is the Colts and the Texans. Um, I, I really don't think that there's a competitive rivalry anywhere else in the division. Um, no. Titans are just boring, so they don't really count. Titans like, are boring, and you never know what you're going to get because of Mariota. The, the Jags had, you know, a, a, 
an American hero at quarterback, but not a great quarterback in Blake Portals. Um, but like they're just so inconsistently like inconsistent. They're they're not they're never good for multiple years. Neither one of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just interesting. Um, all right, so what are Colts fans and and saying about the Texans? I know we're the laughing stock right now of the league. Uh, we have no idea what we're doing. Uh, we can get into Clowney a little bit here in a minute, but um, what are Colts saying? And then kind of what are you, what is your thoughts on the Texans and kind of where they're at? We, we talked about Deshaun. So the biggest thing I think that you'll see around the league with people talking about the Texans right now is definitely the GM situation. Uh, it's very weird, I will say. The Texans are definitely a laughing stock right now just because there's no GM really for the team. But there's other teams around the league that don't have GMs. You know, the, the Patriots technically don't have a GM. The Redskins don't have a GM. There's, there's a couple teams already kind of doing that. The Texans are just kind of the laughing stock right now just because of how everything went down. It was kind of announced, and yeah, the thing was kind of it was kind of weird the way it went down. Uh, but overall, I think the the most worrisome thing would be their latest draft class, in my opinion. I really didn't love it. Okay. I think Titus Howard and, and Sharping were both pretty pretty big reaches uh, where they were taken. Uh, so I think that's kind of the most worrisome thing is just the offensive line with the Texans. Why and do I you think, think about, there were reaches? So Howard, I think, has every bit the traits to be a very good left tackle in the league you know he's very big long physical it's just you know he's really not there yet I don't think you know his, his footwork was really bad at the senior bowl uh, he got overwhelmed by power a lot even though he's a very big strong guy and I think his technique is just really poor right now and it's not really his fault you know he came from a very small school so it's kind of hard to to really pinpoint that as you know he probably didn't get the proper coaching to get ready for the NFL there uh, so I think maybe with the proper coaching he could be there, but I didn't I didn't see a first round prospect out of him. And you know the rumors around the league, and it's kind of very implied that the Texans were all ready to get Dillard yep. when the Eagles jumped up and the Texans kind of panicked a little bit. And I think we see that a lot with NFL teams. You know, a lot of NFL teams they panic, especially when it comes to offensive linemen, and you see kind of those reaches. I, uh, the biggest example is when the Redskins took Brandon Sheriff, I think six overall, you know, a while back. Yep. And the Giants had no clue what they were going to do, so they took Eric Flowers at. 10th overall yep. I'm not, and I'm not saying Tyus Howard's Eric Flowers you know like that would be a monumental bust but I, I think he could definitely go down that road if he doesn't get the great coaching and then going to Sharping that one really shocked me uh, I, I did not love Sharping at all uh, really nice guy I talked to him down at the senior bowl uh, I think he definitely has the mindset that he's going to be a hard worker and I think he could definitely become a starter one day uh, his footwork was really bad at the senior bowl and uh, on film I didn't really see it much better because you know you see a big strong guy and you expect him to kind of overwhelm players but I mean he he got knocked into the ground three or four times at the senior bowl and I just didn't see a tackle prospect and I don't know if he can really be a guard it was really confusing to see him go that high I think and so I, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't laugh at the Texans I'm not calling them a laughing stock obviously they won the division last year they have you know borderline top 10 quarterback maybe maybe you could just definitely say he's top 10 at this point the number one receiver uh, one of the best pass rushing groups in the league they have a lot of great things going for them I just think that offensive line is is terrifying right now especially after last year and they didn't really add much in free agency and then they didn't really add any kind of solid prospects kind of two developmental guys I think the offensive line is terrifying and I think that's why Colts fans in general right now are not super scared of the Texans just because that offensive line is, is terrifying for them. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. Um, um, I think 
that Titus Howard has the potential, um, but I do think that he's a developmental tackle. I, yeah. I, I definitely think that it's going to mm-hmm. take some time for him to get up to speed. Everything out of, out of you know, uh, OTAs was saying that, you know, he was definitely there. He, he worked hard. His footwork was better. Um, and he is a physical specimen at the, at the tackle spot. He is. He is. Uh, 100%. He, he has all the ability. So it might take time. Um, I, I expect him to start. We just did our offensive line group position review last week. And I, I expect him to start at left tackle. Um, I expect Central Henderson to actually end up being our right tackle. Um, he he was really good his rookie year with the Bills, then had Crohn's disease and all that. And then last year he only played the first half against the Patriots and looked extremely well. That's really when our offensive line took that turn. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that that's actually where it all started is we then moved Julian uh, to the opposite side and he's never played that side. And he got like 27 false starts in the span of like three weeks. It, w- it was just, everything was just a mess at that point. Um, but I think they're going to give central another, another shot at, at starting at that right side. If Titus can just be above a- or average, I think average, honestly, if he can be average at left, I think we'll take a much needed step at the offensive line position or position group, but I don't think that will be good next year. I don't think our offensive line is going to be good. I think the interior might be fine. Um, Martinez Rankin will end up being uh, a left guard for us. Nick Martin has shown he's been inconsistent, but it's hard to be consistent as a center when the rest of those pieces are moving around. So you can't really expect too much out of your center when it's always a new player next to you. Um, And then Fulton was our best offensive lineman last year, and he'll start at right guard. So, it's going to be interesting to see. I actually like Max Sharping, um, but I haven't watched a ton of film on him. Uh, I've just read articles and seen like what Lance or Lance says. And Lance is kind of like, yeah, um, our guy in Houston, obviously because he's from here. Um, but uh, and then Pro Football Focus, I think he, I think Max Sharping had like the most experience starting at tackle in the draft this last year. So, um, you know, there's a lot of potential, but like you said, it's all developmental and. That's where the question for Texans fans come in is we've never been able to do it. We've never developed an offensive line. Uh, and we don't know if Mike Devlin's going to be able to do it now. Sure, he has, I guess, the potential tools to do it, but we've never seen that he could actually do it. And that's our biggest concern. Um, yeah. Well, if you look around the league, offensive line development is bad right now. Yeah. Like, really bad. Look look at all the first round busts the last few years. It's a ton. And yeah, there's a ton of them at, at offensive line and especially at tackle. Because uh, I, I just don't – one, I don't think GMs and scouts really know how to scout the position. And that's not like a testament you – know, I'm not saying like the Texans suck at scouting because they took Titus Howard. But just overall, I think it's it, it's tough. It's very tough to scout that position because there's so many variables. And you only really see it from the teams that have elite offensive line coaches. You really see guys develop. You know, you see uh, Jeff Stoutland or Stroutland uh, over yep. at the Eagles he can develop, you know, a really crummy tackle into being pretty average. I think Vitae actually was fairly decent last year. Yep. And he was terrible his first year. Skarnecki. So you know, yeah, And now, you know, Howard Mudd's coming back to the Colts after they already yep. had a great offensive line last year. Uh, whoever, I can't remember the guy's name down in uh, New Orleans, but he's a great offensive line coach as well. You, you know, you see it with those guys, but the rest of the league, it, it's tough. It, it's so tough to develop offensive line talent. And I'm not saying like the Texans should have grabbed a sure thing at offense tackle because there's never there is such thing as that. And never. if there and like, if there is, it's top five pick. Yeah, and or you're throwing twenty million dollars a year at a guy. Right. You know, you would have had to throw twenty million dollars a year at Dwayne Brown if you wanted that kind of. We should have. You should have. I'm not saying you shouldn't have. No, we should have. Should've. We should have. Like that him. was 
that was probably the biggest miss of the offseason for the Texans. I thought that was the most obvious fit in the whole in all the free agency. It's like do what you can to get that because you have Deshaun Watson on the on his rookie deal. Oh, are you talking about Trent Brown? Or Trent Brown. Okay, you uh, said Dwayne. I was like, okay, yeah, we should have paid Dwayne. It was what I was well, paying. Yeah, you should have paid Dwayne Brown and then also should have gone for Trent Brown. Yep. Supposedly we were in on Trent Brown, but they we didn't want to pay him what the Raiders were gonna pay him. Yeah. That did just I don't know. I don't know if that's a good I don't know if that's a good move or not. I know he had a good season with the Patriots last year, but prior to that, um he was a mess. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I feel like you need to take shots when I agree. you have a rookie quarterback. Uh, but yeah, Dwayne Brown was other was another reason. They, I mean, they definitely should have paid him. Definitely I all should have paid that him. Situation. That's what started I mean, all of this. Look, look how the Seahawks. You know, I'm not saying the Seahawks offensive line is anything to be proud of right now, but he went to the Seahawks, I believe, right? Yep. And they went to they went from horrible to you know manageable. Yep. At least you know, the Texans would kill for manageable right now. Yep. So that yeah, there's two two rough misses there on the offensive line, and kind of leads you to having to take Titus Howard in the first round and plug him in there at left tackle on day one. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, so Andrew Luck had an incredible year last year, uh, coming mm-hmm. back from the shoulder surgery. Uh, probably a better year than anybody anticipated based off of the amount of time he missed. There was a lot of talk on if he was going to ever be back to what he was, and he, he definitely showed that he's back to what he was. Um, what are the expectations for the Colts this year now? Um, you know, like we've talked about it, everything's lining up. Um, what are your expectations for the Colts? So, you know, ask any Colts fan, they'll say 12 and four, 13 and three, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. They could definitely go that. I think it's probably more realistic around like 11 and five, 10 and six. They have a very tough schedule. The yep. NFL did them no favors with that schedule. I mean, every single big game was on the road at prime time. You know, they gave them, I think they opened the game at the chargers or opened the season at the chargers. Tough game. And then I think that, yeah, then they go to New Orleans later in the season. I think week five, they go to Kansas City. Uh, they have really tough games, and, you know, thank you, NFL, for that. Like, that that's going to be really tough, all those games. And then, you know, the divisions got stronger. Like, regardless of what you think about Nick Foles, division got stronger with him coming over. Uh, regardless of what you think about Marcus Mariota, him being healthy, and the Titans adding guys like Adam Humphreys and, a, and having a couple good draft picks in there, they're going to be a bit stronger. Uh, and the Texans, you know, again, the Texans with the receiver group getting healthier, they could be stronger as well. Uh, it, you know, they have a tough road. Uh, I do expect them to win the division just because last year they basically won it, you know, just because they beat the Texans in that first round. Uh, it kind of is like that fake sure. won the division. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. You didn't beat so, us, you destroyed us, but yeah. Yeah, it was, like maybe it was a closer game you could make. That I, I just rewatched that film for the first time since that game, and it was like the hardest film to watch. Oh man! Imagine, imagine having to do a film room the next day on the Colts versus Jaguars when the Colts lost six nothing, and you had to watch either Cody Kessler throwing the ball into the dirt or the most inspired Jaguars defense beating the crap out of Andrew. Luck. Okay, so that 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 was probably worse than what I had to watch. But yeah. <laughs> well, yours was playoffs. Yours was playoffs. Yeah, that so. made it a little worse. Yeah, but you know, I I think I think Colts are probably going to win the division, uh, just because when you logically think about how much. Of how much of a step they made once that offensive line got solidified last year. And that's what people aren't talking about. The offensive line came together after like week seven last year. Like they were terrible. Those first three, I think yep. JJ Watt had three sacks in that for, in the first game against the, the Colts. Yep. Uh, then I think he only had like half a sack the rest of the year against them in the next two games. It was a big difference with the offensive line and, and they really got uh, well adept into that scheme. And then on defense, Matt Eberflus was, 
was mixing in so many things where Kenny Moore was sacking Deshaun Watson better than any of our defense alignment were. Yes. I mean, he the way that those two put that team together, because they were not super talented last year, to where they were 10-6 and six and made the playoffs. I think when you add so much more talent, add Justin Houston, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, Ben Bonagu, Rocky Sin, you know, they added some talent and they added a lot of young players and they kept 21 of their 22 starters last year. I think it's hard not to expect them to win the division. I know Texans fans and, and everyone will kind of disagree because they want their Texans to win it. But, you know, things are looking up for the Colts right now, especially with Frank Reich, Matt Eberflus, and Andrew Luck being healthy, going through a whole healthy offseason. Yeah, I, I think uh, win the division, you know, 10-6, 11-5, win that division, I think is very realistic for them. Yeah, I agree. I unfortunately picked the Colts to win the division as well. I just think that there's too much for the Texans to overcome this season, whether it be offensive line, whether it be the secondary that is atrocious as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, the secondary is awful. I mean, it really is. And sure, if we hit on Bradley Roby, that'll definitely help. Um, you know, if he ends up being um, the cornerback that we need. I mean, we've we've lacked man corners for the last four years. Um, you know, if we hit on some of the draft picks, Lonnie Johnson ends up being good, maybe. But And then when you take into account also the front office and all the things that are going on there, it's the cards are definitely stacked against the Texans this year. Um, it's going to take a lot for him to, to be able to pull it together. I will say this, as much as there's a lot of hate for, <clears throat> for Bill O'Brien right now, Bill O'Brien's always, when the cards are stacked against him and he's backed into a corner, somehow, some way, he becomes a really good coach and he finds a way to get through it. <laughs> he's the North Turner of this gener- generation. I mean, he knows how to win when he has it's to. It's insane how things just click for him when it's not supposed to click. You know, Last year, starting off 0-3 and then going on that incredible run, um, winning nine, 10 games, whatever it was. I honestly didn't find it that impressive as most people did, but um, it was against really shitty teams that we should win against. Like, I, I don't, I like, yeah, you, I don't know, whatever. Like, we played shitty teams in one. Like, the best win was against the Colts, and that was when the Colts were in the middle of one and five. Yes. You know, they were one and six. Right. All right. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I completely agree. And that's not me just trying to hate on the Texans. But, yeah, I mean, they were barely beating the Jets and barely beating the Bills. And that Bills game was horrible. Did you rewatch that I was Bills there game live. Yeah, I did. Oh, and then I rewatched it live. Yeah, I mean, thank you, J. Joe, for winning the game for us. But, like, outside of that, like, I just – yeah, there was no, there's nothing last season that made us – that can make us feel good this year. Outside of the fact that the offense could all be clicking on every cylinder. The offensive yeah. line could be really bad. And Deshaun showed us that even when the offensive line is really bad, he could still be really good. And with Will Fuller back and Kiki being healthy, you know, when you add those two, there's not a lot of talk of Kiki throughout the league, but this team has missed a wide slot wide receiver since Bill O'Brien has been here. And it is essential for this offense to work. And then you add Will Fuller, who I I think is one of the better route runners in the league. Um, when you actually watch him, he's he's amazing but then you add the speed to that and everybody gets caught up in the speed but when you combine those two the route running and the speed that's what changes the game you guys know that because you guys have ty hilton so um i i think i think that i I would say maybe 10 and 6 for us maybe maybe 9 and 7 um maybe we sink into the playoffs i don't know um but that's that's my expectation yeah i mean titans we always you know they're boring make fun of them all the time but from top to bottom, outside of quarterback, the, I mean, they have a pretty good team. Yeah, they you know, do. From top to bottom, like really good team. Like, and they have good coaching, confident coaching, really confident players. 
Uh, so yeah, I think, and they upgraded their backup. So like, like yeah. I don't think a ton about Ryan Tannehill, but he has a very similar skill set to Marcus Mariota. And yeah, where they're both injured all the time. But, it's really right. <laughs> so they can just tag each other in. Like, hey, my groin, just come on in. No, yeah, I got a hangnail. It's your turn. Um, but honestly, oh, they did upgrade though. They did upgrade the backup position. They, I mean, they had Blaine Gabbert. Like Ryan Tannehill is definitely better than Blaine Gabbert. So when Mariota goes down, you know, somebody else is going to come in that can actually run the offense. So who knows? And Brable is a very creative coach. Um, so, but that's also another coordinator for Mariota. I think that's his like seventh offensive coordinator in the yeah. five years he's been here. So I don't know. I mean, they could be good. They could be, they could be surprising. They have everything that they need to be good. They're surprising every year. They have three straight winning seasons somehow with Mariota barely playing. Uh, but the biggest thing that I see with this division, you know, factor in the Colts' tough schedule. And, you know, in, again, injuries could happen. The Colts still aren't that deep because they're rebuilding the roster that Grixon destroyed. So, you know, the Colts, if you factor in that injuries could happen along with a really tough uh, schedule, factor in that the Texans have a quarterback. And honestly, you can ask any Colts fan about this. At the end of the day, as long as you have a quarterback, you always have a chance yep. at the playoffs. You always have a chance. I mean, Andrew Luck carried that 2014 team to the AFC Championship game, and he had no no right doing that. Nope. That team was garbage, straight garbage. Any Colts fan would say that. Reggie Wayne was the second best player on that team, and he was like 60. Yep. They were they were terrible, and he got them all to the AFC Championship game. So as long as you have a quarterback, you always have a chance, and the Titans have everything else. Uh, I think it's going to be a dogfight between those three teams. I think you know all three of those teams, I think, have a really good chance, and you know, Jaguars could sneak up there. I don't see it happening personally. Uh, but those three teams, uh, Titans, Texans, and, and Colts, it's going to be a dogfight for the division. It's a very deep division. Uh, you know, Jaguars can even beat any of these guys on any given day. Uh, so, I, yeah, it's going to be a very fun season for all these teams in this division because you cannot say with confidence that none of these teams can win the division. You know, you can say that with the NFC East. You can say the Giants and Redskins can't win the division. You can say it with, you know, even – NFC North, you can say the Lions won't win it. Or, you know, you can go around the league and kind of say teams that won't win their division. But I think in, in the AFC South, you really have four teams that fight for it. And then you have three teams that are, you know, at worst borderline playoff teams. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I've been saying all season that this team's only going to go as far as Deshaun will take us. <clears throat> it's pretty much what it boils down to this year. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm one person who said, you know, Watson – Still has another step he can take. He does. There, there are some accuracy issues here and there. There's, there's phantom pressures that he feels sometimes. There's a lot of phantom pressures. Lots. That was the biggest thing I saw, yeah. especially against the Colts. When he gets sacked yes. a lot against the Colts, you really. Once see you it. guys sent that corner blitz with Kenny Moore back to back, because you guys did that back to back, then I think is when he just started to freak out mentally. <clears throat> Which is fine. He's a young kid. I mean, he'll get better. Yeah. Uh, his biggest yeah, issue is being able to read defenses. He's never been he, he's just never been good at it. And I don't no. I don't think he's needed to cuz at Clemson it was basically a half a half field offense. So everything was ran through the left on one play or everything was run through the right on one play. So now that he's having to see the full field um he, you know but he's shown things throughout his 3 years here that he's picking it up and supposedly that's the biggest thing he improved on. So uh before I let you get out of here Zach, I want to get your opinion on uh Jadavian Clowney. So <clears throat> that's really the biggest story. I, I can't. I guess yeah, it's the biggest story here. Uh, for us, it's a big story because we are both big. We we love JD. We we think that he's a top five defensive player in this league, or top five defensive lineman in this league. To be honest with you, um, but the Texans don't seem to value him, and they're not going to sign him to a long term deal. He's going to play under the franchise tag. 
um, and he'll most likely walk next year. Uh, it's very rare that you see the franchise tag used and then sign a long-term deal the following year. That's not typically how it works. Um, what are your thoughts on Jadavian Clowney and what have you seen from him? And do you, do you see what I see in the sense of how good he actually is? So I would maybe disagree on top five defense alignment. Okay. Uh, just, just because there are moments where you kind of see him take a couple plays off. There's some mental lapses sometimes. You know, the, I think the second Colts game was a very big example of that, where he jumped off sides, I think, four or five times in that game. Uh, there, there's just moments like that that give you some pause. But, you know, it's, it's the NFL. Outside of quarterbacks, you need pass rushers. And he's a damn good pass rusher. I mean, you could – you can make all the excuses for him that he has J.J. Watt on the other side. One thing that I, I want to make mention of with J.J. Watt, Watt is an outstanding player. So this next thing is not really a big criticism. But what the Texans really do to make sure Watt's numbers are kind of always up and he's always impacting the game. I've been saying this for put, years. Go yeah, ahead. They put him on the worst offensive lineman. Yep. That's what they do. They've been, like, they've been mean, doing that since he came into the league. Yeah. And is that a knock on J.J.? Absolutely not. No, like, he just lines he up where he lines up. Yeah, you can beat the guy in front of you, and if it's the worst offensive lineman out there, great. Where McClowney, on the other hand, you know he's going against the left tackles. He's going against the tougher to beat linemen, uh, even though they do move him around a little bit too. But for the most part, Watt gets the weakest offensive lineman, and Clowney kind of has to deal with one with the stronger guys. And Clowney's very productive, very good player, has all the skill set you want in a pass rusher. Former first overall pick for a reason. I, I don't know. I, I I don't see a case for not paying him. Maybe maybe he's horrible in the locker room or something. I don't know. I I'm not as connected to the team, so I have no clue. But you know, if he shows up and he's a good player for you and he has all the upside in the world, he's all the production in the world, great size. I mean, I I don't know. I I don't see how you don't pay him. Yeah, it's just you gotta you gotta pay your pass rushers. I mean, you you really have to pay your pass rushers. I think a team that we're really gonna see that hurt this year is the Chiefs. You know, they decided, you know, let Houston walk, trade away D Ford. I mean, they brought in Frank Clark, but for the most part, you know, you, they got rid of a lot of sack production. And then Chris Jones is having his holdout, too. Yep. Uh, so and nobody's talking about Chris Jones being held out right now. Yeah. And the big thing with them last year is, you know, Mahomes was a lot of it, but they were getting a lot of sacks from those three guys. And now you don't have any of the three there right now. Uh, you know, Jones will be there. Uh, and then you just bring in a guy like Frank Clark, who has his issues off the field yep. and all that stuff, too and also injury issues, I think, I mean, pass rush is so important. It, it's so big. Uh, the Colts last year could have gone so much further if they had a better pass mm-hmm. rush. And it's, it's just, I, I don't see how you don't pay a guy like Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and J.D., you know, if you go back and watch the film of last year, you'll see that a lot of times J.J. was getting one-on-one matchups while J.D. was taking on two or three blockers. Um, and, you know, I've been posing this question to Texans fans. It's like, if you want JJ to be freed up, you're going to need Clowney on that team because once JD leaves, there's nobody else on that defensive line that scares you. And you'll see exactly what you used to see with two or three guys. Even the Patriots would triple team JJ to make sure he was ineffective because they knew the rest of the guys were not able to get to the quarterback. And that was when JD was out. So, um, no, and, and the, the thing that doesn't get me is JD's also 25. Um, like Khalil Max, 26, 27, I think. Aaron Donald's 26, 27. Like all the guys that he gets compared to are also two years older than him. And they've had more time to develop. This guy is still 25 and is a freak athlete that is still honing his pass rushing skills. And really all he has right now is his bulldozer. Add a spin to Jadavian Clowney and things are going to change. And yeah, I'm afraid that we're going to see it on another team, unfortunately. 
So yeah, it would be a waste to have him on like the Dolphins Jets. or yeah, Jets or Dolphins or something. It would be such a waste because he's a damn good player and he's like, fun to watch. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned that he does face a lot of the pressure. Uh, the Colts did a good job of using the running back to chip wide, yep. but you know, a lot of times on that left side, think think about it. Would you rather go against Braden Smith plus a running back chip? or Quentin Nelson and Anthony Costanzo on the left side. Very easy. You'd obviously, you'd obviously want to go on that right side against Brayton Smith. Yep. Clowney had the tougher matchups, and I think he was even more productive those last two games yep. against the Colts. You know, outside, again, those offsides penalties. He's an animal. Like, he, you know, for every time that uh, there the Quentin Nelson pancake on him, every time that we looked at that clip, there was other clips of him just dominating at the point of attack and making a great run stop. I, I just think, it, obviously, there's more – like consistency because there are some times where he gets taken on the play. But, I mean, you can live with that for the production. But how much is that on the Texans, though? Because it's not yeah. like they line him up traditionally as a 4-3 defensive end, which based on his size and skill set, that's what he is. He's a 4-3 defensive end. That's what he was when he was coming out of college. That's what he should be in the NFL. But we play a 3-4. We mix up and run a 4-3. He'll line up a linebacker. He'll line up on the nose. He'll line up on the end. Um, so it's not like he's just playing what J.J. does where he lines yeah. up against the tackle. He's asked to do so many different things, and it's because he's a freak of nature that you can yeah. do those types of things. Hey, he stood up over Quentin Nelson, the guy who we were touting as a generational offensive lineman, I think before we were recording here. Yeah. And he tossed him with one hand. It was nothing. It was nothing, like, too. Didn't even stop is, his momentum. Yeah. Quentin Nelson. We're ta- I mean, we're not talking about, you know, we're talking about a first-year player who was an all first-team All-Pro. Right. A guy who was dominating most of the NFL last year. The guy who was going one-on-one with Geno Atkins and holding his ground. I mean, Jadavion Clowney tossed him just like he was nothing. Uh, I think that's remarkable. And, again, all over the place. He doesn't just line up on that tackle. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I would pay him. I, I don't see why you wouldn't pay him. Well, unfortunately, he won't. So maybe you guys will that following season. <clears throat> Ooh, yeah, I know a lot of Colts fans were talking about it. Yeah, I was, I was scared that when we franchised him, I had this conspiracy theory. I tend to get in my own head when it comes to my favorite players. And I was like, man, you know, if the Colts, if they wanted to give up two first-round picks for Jadavian Clowney, they would be doing two things at the same time. They would be taking Jadavian Clowney away from going after Andrew Luck. And then they would also be adding to a need that they, they could address, right? Um, and Jadavian on that team with now with Houston and um, oh, who's the defensive lineman I like? God, I can't. Sheard? Yes, with Jabal Sheard. Oh, like, he, he, he is so good. And you had Clowney to that mix, and it's just like, holy shit. And, you know, Andre left to go to you guys. Maybe maybe JD does too. I don't know. I hope not. I really fucking hope not. But we'll see. Oh, that would be great. That would be awesome. Because yeah. Sheard's contract's up after this year, and I think he's the third oldest player on the team. So he'll probably leave. But adding – Javen Clowney, who's 25 or 26 when that happens, with Justin Houston. And, you know, they spent three second-round picks the last few years on on pass rushers. That could be a deadly pass rushing group. So yeah. that would be uh, very exciting. I, to hope, add to I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's going to be yeah, really honestly, hard to watch. Honestly, I, I can already picture him in that jet screen, wasting away and getting Somebody's- nine to <clears throat> nine, 11 sacks a year and, and never really – getting to the playoffs again yeah i could uh, i think miami's where he goes um for some reason i just had miami in my head i think brian flores would use him properly but um, yeah that'd be great that'd be a great news but uh yeah well zach thank you so much for coming on it was a very fun conversation 
definitely much better than I expected uh, from some of these other conversations I've had and in the past. So uh, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, and why don't you plug your podcast, Stampede Blues, Twitter, all that good stuff. Yeah, guys. So uh, I'm very active on Twitter. So definitely follow me on there if you're interested at all in, in cult stuff or even just film in general. I, I post a lot of film stuff. Uh, so, you know, I even have some Texans film on there every now and then. Mostly just, you know, the Colts defensive line beating them for a missed sack on Deshaun Watson. But besides that, uh, you know, there's a lot of film on there. So on Twitter, at ZachHicks2. Uh, if you're interested in, you know, my voice and how great it sounds, you can go over to the Colt 45 podcast. I have some great guests on every week. I had the trainer for Ben Bonagoo last week, and, and I had Brandon Thorne, the offensive line guru, uh, the week before that. And so we you know, got some good guests over there. And then you can also find all of my film room, all my work over at uh, Stampede Blue. I've done a lot on, you know, Justin Houston, all the guys we talked about, Justin Houston, Jabal Sheard. Uh, I did a little bit on Jadavion Clowney, I think, earlier in the season. Uh, I've done a lot of film room over there, so definitely go on there if you want to see some of my work. But I appreciate you having me on. And I apologize for all the coughs. <laughs> I've been fighting. I don't know what this is. I'm probably going to go to the Minute Clinic tomorrow. <laughs> it probably would be a good idea, but don't worry. Pre- Preston, will, uh, Preston will edit that out, so it's, it's no big deal. Yeah. No, dude, you should have seen. Last night I was recording the Colts one, and – uh, I had a really bad cough right towards the end of it, and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> my face like into my hands, like because the guy was in the middle of talking, and I was like, <laughs> and then right when he, he finished, like earlier than I thought, so I had to like bullshit my way back into the conversation. I was like, yeah, yeah, man, I completely agree. Wow, that was great stuff. The fun, the fun parts of improving a podcast. Well, Zach, thank you so much, uh, Texans fans. Make sure you guys go follow Zach on Twitter. Make sure you read his articles on Stampede Blues. Um, and Zach, again, we appreciate it. And this is Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine. It's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how trill we are, baby. So you better get out the way because we coming for it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go. Here we are.